is peace on the horizon for Ethiopia's Tigray region. Rebels fighting the government say they're open to talks and the ceasefire. What led to this announcement and will it help end the humanitarian crisis caused by the war? I'm Hashim Al-Bara and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's speak to Getat Shirreda Imakeli, his spokesman for the Tigray People's Liberation Front. Reda, could you give us an idea about how you decided to change your mind from just a few weeks ago, you were saying no talks under the umbrella of the African Union. Now you're saying you are open to peace talks. Well, to set the record straight, we have never rejected the role of the African Union. Uh, we know African Union as a continental organization will have a role to play in mm-hmm. resolving conflicts in, in Africa. Uh, what we have said all along was the African Union Commission uh, has not done enough to expose the crimes that the Abiy Ahmed regime and his partners in crime, Isaiah Safork and company, visited upon the people of Tigray the last year and a half uh, but despite our misgivings, we were ready to work with the AU. In fact, we had issues uh, with the uh, high, high, AU high-level representative, but that's not the most important issue because ultimately it's about peace. It's okay. about resolving this conflict peacefully. So we have never opposed it to the role of the AU, mm-hmm. but we have always expressed our misgivings about the role the AU has played in either acquiescing in the crime or uh, remaining silent under mm-hmm. the circumstances. Okay. So the, the, there is little in the way of change of mind as far Let, as we're concerned. Let's talk about uh, the details now. You are a member of the negotiating team. Give us an idea about your preconditions when it comes to the withdrawal of the Ethiopian army, the withdrawal from the Eritrean army, the allowing aid into uh, uh, the region, those uh, conditions, are they still the same, unchanged? Are they a prerequisite for a peace uh, deal? Hashem, the only thing that needs to change is the characterization of humanitarian access and the restoration of services as conditions. Why would this be preconditions? I mean, since when is the access, unfettered access to human humanitarian aid and the restoration of services uh, considered a precondition for, for peace talks. What we have been saying all mm-hmm. along is that these are things that need needed to have been uh, accomplished way before any overtures for peace. Any government, what is its name, should have restored services. Uh, the Ethiopian government was using uh, the, the denial of humanitarian access and the denial of services uh, as a weapon of war. That we should insist on normalcy under the circumstances should not have been and should not be considered uh, as preconditions. So as far as we're concerned, we still expect the international community to put pressure on the uh, government in Addis Ababa to restore services. Mm -hmm. We still expect the international community to uh, put pressure on the the authorities in Addis Ababa to allow for unfettered humanitarian access and the status of Western Tigray, for example, is a constitutional status. The constitution mm. is something the government professes to, to be living by. And why would it be a matter of precondition for a government to recognize its own constitution? 
as simple as that. So you, we're not you... talking about preconditions. Okay. We're talking about things which should have normally have been done if there was a genuine interest for peace. Now that you've said you're willing to go to, uh, you're open to talks, uh, any, any words from the African Union about whether the Ethiopian government is willing to move forward and, uh, and talk to you? By the way, I would like to take this opportunity to comment with the African Union to at least to, to step forward and recognize the Tigray government for what it is, uh, and that it is ready to work with the government of Tigray uh, in uh, seeking peaceful solution to the, to, to the conflict. Uh, having said that, uh, we have uh, no reason to believe that the Ethiopian authorities have relented on on their intransigence uh, on, on the question of peace because they still think they can shoot their way back to Tigray. And as I mm -hmm. have been uh, saying this uh, several times over, there is no chance that they can fight their way back into Tigray. In fact, if indications are any guide, every effort they have been making uh, along with the Eritrean, their Eritrean partners is falling apart. And our forces are not only holding their ground, but also making significant gains in uh, various fronts. Good. So obviously they cannot uh, force their way into Tigray. All right. And the only uh, alternative and viable option for them is to talk because shooting is not going to work. Get a Sherida spokesman for the Tigray People's Liberation Front from McKelly. I really appreciate. Thank you. Let's bring in our guest in Addis Ababa is Ustaz Kamil Shamsu, member of the Ethiopian Parliament in Sonsval in Sweden. Tekle Gebre Michael, an activist and associate editor of Tgat, a website documenting possible war crimes in Tigray. In London, William Davison, senior Ethiopia analyst at the International Crisis Group. Welcome to the program. Ustaz, now that the TPLF is saying it is open to talks, is the government in Addis Ababa willing to move ahead and hold the talks with the Tigrayans? Uh... Thank you for inviting me to this uh, program. Hi uh, to everybody here in this program. Uh, as everybody knows that the Ethiopian government will, was uh, really uh, uh, wanted to, uh, to end this problem, what is going on in northern parts of our country, in a peaceful dialogue way. But uh, the one who for one year who waged war uh, against our uh, military, Ethiopian Defense Force, those, the TPLF armed group. And after when the Ethiopian government uh, uh, also uh, announced ceasefire from uh, unilaterally, they went, they left the Tigray region. This all, they were calling, Ethiopian government calling to peaceful uh, solution to this problem. Okay. So this the, this time, when the TPLF called for dialogue, I can see it is like uh, mind changing and it is this, uh, significant even though it is not sufficient because uh, the government position is there. Our very principle, the principle is the solution so this problem is discussion, dialogue, okay. and just, peace. Just the, 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 the for our viewers, point. just for our people to understand exactly where does the government stand as we speak now. Is the government going to go to the talks, yes or no? 
The government is always ready to go to the top. But this time, this time, the government uh, assigned its own uh, high-level officials for discussion, mm -hmm. but they still they are looking for this issue. They are looking for the 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 uh, honesty and the, how this how much this group is calling is true. Are they really saying this to buy time, or they are saying uh, surely to end this problem, this conflict, or this war? Okay, Tikhlay, do you think it was the fact that the TPLF realized that it was about time to move forward to seek a political solution to the crisis and that war is not going to go anywhere? They decided finally, let's go to the African Union, let's go to the peace talks. The statement that the Tigray government issued on the Ethiopian uh, New Year's Day wasn't really different from the statement that it had been issuing before in terms of um, calling for peace and in terms of insisting that a peaceful resolution is the only way to uh, resolving the conflict. I think the only difference in terms of tone um, in, the, in the statement they issued on the New Year's Day was in them saying that they are ready to sit for negotiation, apparently without any kind of preconditions. Although from, uh, from what the government representative, Getachew Reda, said earlier, it looks like that they have taken it for granted that the international community would think uh, resumption of services and the other basic services to Tigray shouldn't be kind of construed as, as preconditions. So they are taking it as, as granted that they would be resumed without any uh, negotiation, but that otherwise they are ready to sit for, for negotiation. So that is actually the only thing that changed. But in terms of their mm -hmm. readiness uh, to sit for an AU-led process, they have always been ready. Their only bone of contention with the AU, what they 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 don't trust the AU um, envoy, Olisangon Obasanjo, because of his open association with the Ethiopian regime and because of what he has been saying in terms of openly supporting the Ethiopian government's position and openly taking positions on very contentious issues with respect to Western Tigray and the other issues of contention. But otherwise, the, I haven't seen anything new in the statement that they, they, they okay. issued. They have always been saying that and they just reiterated the statement that they had been issuing before. William, let's assume both parties decide to go for the talks. Is it going to be an easy political process? And what are the issues at stake here for both parties? I think the fact that um, we are struggling to get a recommitment to a truce um, and to even convene um, formal negotiations indicates the depth of the disagreements here. Um, I think it's important to listen to what uh, Gatachu Reda said, as well as Teklai, um, the important context here is that until the 24th of August, we'd had a period of um, a truce without any real fighting between federal and Tigray forces this year. That truce has now ended. Um, fighting is ongoing today. Um, we have a flurry of diplomatic activity to try and get a recommitment to the truce. Um, but as I understand the Tigray position, um, they want a public commitment from the federal government um, to meet what they see as its international legal obligations. So unfettered aid access to Tigray, the mm -hmm. restoration of services, the exit of all foreign forces, including Eritrea's, obviously, and the restoration of Tigray's pre-war borders, which means the neighboring Amhara region giving up 
on its control of Western Tigray that it's taken during the war. That is the extent of the challenges even to get a recommitment to a truce, so to stop the current fighting and then to convene the beginning of formal negotiations. Mm -hmm. um, other issues that would emerge uh, during a peace process would be arranging a permanent ceasefire. That would mean deciding what to do with the Tigray forces that have been built up during this war to defend Tigray and obviously marched out of Tigray even to threaten the federal government. Mm -hmm. And there was a Tigrayan demand for a referendum on self-determination with an option including uh, secession from the Ethiopian Federation. Um, there were the issues of accountability um, and reconstruction um, as a result of the damage and the atrocities committed during the war. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, there are all sorts of um, challenges okay. um, in addition uh, to, to, the, to the challenge that faces us now of just stopping the latest round of fighting. Ustaz, when you look at the makeup of the uh, negotiating team that was picked by the government in Addis Ababa, you have the Deputy Prime Minister, Minister of Foreign Affairs, you have also Justice Minister, you have the Intelligence Chief, and you have two ambassadors, uh, Hassan Abdel Kabir and also Radwan Hussein, widely seen as hardliners, which is sending concerns among many uh, uh, in the Tigray region that there might be no margin here for any concessions from the government. Still, there isn't any contention from the government side. The government is uh, still, they are looking for what this new uh, progress, I can say it's a new progress from what I heard, what Gita Chorata himself said, uh, as if they were not uh, denying or saying no to the African Union-led negotiation, as if uh, they are not putting any precondition uh, Ethiopian government announced that they are ready to sit and discuss without any precondition anywhere, anytime. So the government position is uh, already public. This is uh, there. There is no need change. So, but this time, this time, when this uh, kindness of call from TPLF came, the government has to analyze, has to see, and uh, has to discuss the modality where pain. Because this, even the way they are, they are still uh, 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 saying about Tigray regional government is as if Tigray is another government. When we, when it comes to the peace, uh, peace negotiation, peace talk, there are uh, very basic principles has to be considered. That one is constitutional based issues. There is only one government in Ethiopia, but the other, the rest is our regional government. There must be one defense force and uh, the level of uh, armament, uh, levels of uh, weapons uh, should be carried in different regions has to be discussed about the border, about the humanitarian okay. issues, about the blockade. They say this must be come on the table whether it is true or not, but through all the time they are saying something and they are uh, do they do something else that one let's, is uh, making hindrance or obstacles to these peace negotiations. Let's talk about some of those contentious issues, and this is going to be my question to Tikle. Tikle, do you think that the uh, call for from the uh, Tigrayans for the Eritrean army and the Ethiopian army to withdraw from the uh, Tigray region is something that the government is willing to accept? Well, I, I think I think it's not only a question of whether the Ethiopian government would accept that or not. It's also a question of um, does it have the capability to, to accept? Because Eritrea now 
we lose a lot of power over Ethiopia. Ethiopia essentially really is a protectorate of Eritrea. And I, I highly doubt that the Ethiopian government is in a position to make its own decision. And actually, we see it reflected in your guest from Ethiopia. He couldn't say whether the Ethiopian government now, now that the Sugai government has openly uh, accepted the idea of um, negotiation without any preconditions, whether the Ethiopian government would reciprocate to that and um, ac accept seating for negotiation. And I understand why he can't answer that. It's because he doesn't know whether or not Eritrea would support that idea. And because if Eritrea doesn't support that idea, the Ethiopian government can't, um, given that they are under their control. Mm -hmm. So th there's really a huge problem that people are not talking about, that the fact that the Ethiopian government is not in a position to make its own decisions, that it has to get the blessing of the Eritrean government for every move that, that um, it could make. And I think that is at the heart of the problem. So it's not whether a question, it's not a question of whether or not okay. the Ethiopian government would want to accept. Because essentially, in terms of the demand of the Tigray government, it could actually be phrased in one word. What they are saying is the constitution. Let's respect the constitution. It's, it's very simple. William, when it comes to talks, uh, as you know, de uh, the devil lies in the details. And some of the key issues here is uh, Tigrayans saying that Western Tigray should be part of their own land. When you look at Western Tigray itself, that's a story on its own. With the Eritreans involved, with the government involved, there is a history there, border delimitation, the demarcation. We, we don't know exactly what's the problem there. Is the government adamant it wants back that area to deny the Tigrayans any access to Sudan in the future? The federal um, position on the, the Western Tigray dispute, um, the Amhara note as, as well as Kate, um, is not that clear. Um, at the moment, it's in Amhara control. We've seen the federal government refer uh, to constitutional processes to resolve the issue. Um, but it isn't clear they're willing to sort of take action to reverse the Amhara um, control of the area. And that is what Tigray casts as not just involving atrocities, um, you know, ethnic cleansing, as alleged by rights groups, uh, but also to be you know, an unconstitutional move. Um, and yes, you know, as Teklai says, the constitution is absolutely key here. But of course, you know, a dispute over the constitution and the postponement of elections and the right of Tigray um, as a regional government to run its own election, this constitutional dispute is one of the elements that took the, um, the parties to war here. So that just indicates you know, the depth of disagreement um, and why it's so difficult um, to come to terms, because each side has a different interpretation of what the Constitution says. I think if there's any reason really to be positive here, um, it's that there has been an international response, presumably with some mm. federal uh, backing, for the idea of an expanded African Union-led peace process. So that will involve Obasanjo, but it will probably involve Kenya's government as well, also the US and the EU um, having some sort of formal role. But we have to get to formal negotiations in the first place. And unless the federal government is willing to accede to some of these Tigrayan demands, meet mm -hmm. its legal obligations, as Tigray's government casts it, on unfettered aid access services, the restoration of Tigray's pre-war borders, and the withdrawal of foreign forces. And it does look difficult to even get past the first hurdle here.
Okay, Ustaz, the international community has been concerned about the deterioration of the humanitarian situation in, in, the, in the Tigray following the war that has started about uh, two years ago. And now the international community is stepping in saying that they want to see both parties starting those talks anytime soon. Is this something that could put more pressure on the government to offer some concessions for the Tigrayans? Look, uh, regarding the Tigray, Tigrayan people, they are part of our people. They're suffering. We're sorry for the suffering. We, uh, we feel that. So the contention, this is not the issue, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the, there are there are humanitarian aids are going there, and but the TPLF uh, used to use this aids for its military forces. They are they are not uh, distributing or delivering for civilians. But the first thing everybody has to know is that the end solution for this problem is sitting around the table discussing, and if there is any border issues. All right, Tiklay, do you think? Do you think that? We will see talks soon between both parties. Oh, I, I, I highly doubt that. Um, and the, the reason, actually, I have to mention um, a writer who has huge expertise on Ethiopia, published an article yesterday. And one of the points he makes in the article is that Ethiopia has committed a lot of soldiers to Eritrea. Mm -hmm. They are now stationed in Eritrea. And the Eritrean government have essentially held them as, as hostages, um, saying that unless the war continued, they are going to do something to the thousands of Ethiopian soldiers. So the Ethiopian government is not really in a position to say okay to the talks if the um, Eritrean dictator doesn't mm -hmm. give them the, the, the green light. So they are in a bit of a bind in that sense. They can't really make a decision. All right. And I don't generally, my observation is that the Ethiopian regime generally is not a good faith um, actor. Well, I'm, I'm so the, all right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I just have less than a minute. William. Uh, do you think that the government's biggest concern is that any concession in the future would be just seen as emboldening the ethnic uh, federalism in uh, Ethiopia, which could just erode trust in the government? I don't think that's the government's um, primary concern here. Um, Ethiopia um, operates under a system of, of ethnic or, or multinational federalism. Um, that means that the regional states have quite a lot of autonomy on paper um, and that the region's administrative divisions are also largely based along ethno-linguistic lines. Um, I understand there to be desire um, within Abiy Ahmed's government and his prosperity party system um, for some constitutional mm -hmm. changes which might dilute the role of ethnicity and state structures and politics perhaps take some powers away from the regional states and grant them to the central government. But really the issue here is resolving the political dispute between Tigray and the federal government. Of course, that does relate to autonomy and ethnicity and federalism. Um, but I don't think at the moment the central government and its leadership has its eye on those broader questions um, and instead needs to focus on how to either win the war mm -hmm. or stop the war and find some sort of negotiated settlement Thank you. with Tigray's leadership and also the other armed groups operating in Ethiopia, such as in Oromia, the biggest regional state. William Davison, Ustaz Kamil uh, Shamsu and Tiklai Gebri Michael, I really appreciate your insight. Thank you.
That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Abdurrahman Warsam and Jim Harris. Studio sound was by Alvaro Galan. The program was edited by Ahmed Faga, Lin Nguyen, and Jody Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday.